Hello and welcome to Overleaf Podcast with Stuart Williams. On this episode, we'll meet Erin Pellivan, editor of Return Trip magazine. Produced in Toronto, Canada, Return Trip aims to focus on the feelings and experiences that travel gives us. Now on issue two, we'll discuss everything from non-digital living, relationships and connections to a place, ancestry, rituals in travel, and a whole lot more. I'm currently looking for sponsors for the show. If you're interested, please reach out to On The Overleaf on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Some Overleaf news? We now have a brand new submission area on the website. So if you make, sell or run a magazine, get in touch. You could do so by visiting ontheoverleaf.com forward slash submit. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello. Hello Erin, how are you doing? Hi, good, how are you? Not bad, thank you, not bad. Thank you for reaching out and agreeing to be on this. I mean, it's so cool that you've taken the time. Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, I, I saw it and I was like, oh, I've never heard of this. Uh, I might as well reach out and, and see what this is all about. So thank you for uh, yeah agreeing to meet. Could you give us an introduction as to, you know, who you are, where you come from and the magazine itself? Yeah, um, my name is Erin. I am the editor and co-founder of Return Trip magazine. Um, We're based out of Toronto. Um, I've been a writer since about 2011 and travel is a really interesting topic for me. It's something I've I've really wanted to write more about. Um, And so that's kind of why I founded Return Trip with our creative director, Jess Johnstone. And um, yeah, we, we first founded it in 2019 and uh, we have two issues out currently. So um, yeah, and, and the one thing I just wanna say is that I don't think that Return Trip is a traditional magazine about travel. It's really about um, exploring the feelings that travel gives us. And it's really about like the personal relationships and the personal moments we have on the road as opposed to just kind of like itineraries and, and how-tos and, and you know listicles and things like that. Yeah, it, it stems a lot deeper, doesn't it, than, than just that on top level. Yeah, yeah, and that's exactly why I wanted to uh, create it. What do you sort of do on a day-to-day basis? Is it, is it this uh, with, with your co-workers? Um, so, yeah, I, I work as a copywriter right now for a travel company, actually. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I've been focused on no for way. the last year, really. Yeah, And, and Luana and Jess um, also work full time in in design so we're very busy <laughs> yeah but um yeah no it's it's been really great creating the magazine and you know collaborating yeah I mean from from your perspective how have your travel experiences been mm-hmm. well I think my travel experiences play a big role in um why I created return trip um because I had lived mm. abroad I lived in Copenhagen I lived in um, Ho Chi Minh City and I really came back to Toronto from those experiences um, transformed. And like, that's kind of what made me realize I want to look at travel um, in, a, in a deeper level, right? And then focus on those personal stories. Yeah, I mean, th- th- those stories, you know, could you tell us one that maybe is like a highlight from, from your time? Oh, gosh. Um... <laughs> <laughs> from any place. It's very, very hard to narrow it down, yeah, I suppose. Um... I was thinking of this the other day, actually. So I guess one of my favorite places I've traveled is 
is Japan. And when we were in Kyoto, we experienced an wow. earthquake. <laughs> um, oh. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess this isn't really like a, this isn't like a, I mean, it could end up in our, in our magazine, but that's the first thing that comes to mind is, is experiencing an yeah. earthquake in Japan and kind of like, kind of just dealing with that whole experience. Um, obviously we're okay in the end, um, but it was really, it was really interesting to see um, the culture of Japan, like they're very used to kind of these earthquakes and, and smaller ones. And this one was slightly bigger and of course we were safe, but uh, it really threw us uh, yeah. through a loop um, <laughs> yeah. to say the least. It would definitely, it would do that for anyone. I mean, was it kind of like an out of body experience yeah. Yeah. or something? Yeah, and like we were staying in a in a hostel, my boyfriend and I, and and like he runs outside and he just sees like this uh, guy who works at the hostel just smoking a cigarette, just super chill. And he just looks over at us, he yeah. like, takes a drag, and he's like, "Yeah, earthquake," and he's just chilling, and we're just like freaking out. We're like, "What do we do?" <laughs> yeah, but it was all good. Yeah, no, it's a normal day, I guess. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I mean. Yeah, it's definitely more common than, than I'm used to. So. That's, that, that's the beauty of it, though, isn't it? In a way, you, you get to experience what a, a common day would feel like, so to speak. You, you get sort of immersed into what commonality is in that culture. Yeah, yeah. And I think, um, yeah, like Return Trip touches on that. Like, it's definitely about culture, but it's also kind of like your personal kind of perspective in that culture and kind of how you reflect in that culture. So um, there's a lot of issues, sorry, there's a lot of stories about, um, yeah, I guess our second issue, the one that came, our, our most recent issue, sorry, um, the theme was, it was out of place. So we really wanted to discuss what it meant to feel out of place on the road. Um, so a lot of the stories are actually about discomfort or experiencing something kind of uncomfortable that kind of made you um, change your perspective or, or see yourself differently or, or increase your self-knowledge or self-awareness in some way. So, so, so develop a, a personal rapport with travel. Yeah, yeah. So most of the stories are, are personal essays and we have some photo essays as well. Um, there's also a few local Toronto artists and writers who kind of, I wanted to hear a bit of a meditation on how they felt at home because I think um, you can kind of travel at home in a sense, as we've learned um, through the pandemic. Um, so I was really interested in like meditations on, on identity, um, especially from immigrant immigrants and um, people who may have been displaced. So yeah, that's definitely, I think that to me that falls in the realm of travel, but not in like the industry of travel, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's the thing. You, you've got like a nice balance of you got you got uh, obviously reset travel. You you interviewed was it yeah. uh, Kayla Jolene, wasn't it in there? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that was kind of wonderful, you know, insight into the industry. You know, from how you know how she sees it from a UK perspective, um, and as a whole. But then you've also got those independent sort of, oh, that was my experience. And the first two, aren't they? The first two articles are very, very first person heavy on what was their experience, you know, going through Hamburg with, with Sarah, I think it was. And mm-hmm. um, and I feel I feel like that, the baby side of things, that was very, very touching in a way, because that is, a, you know, an, an issue that a lot of families have to face. 
Yeah, yeah, you bring up so many interesting articles. Um, yeah, Kayla is kind of like a copywriter, travel writer from the UK. Um, and she's black as well. So she talked a bit about being mixed race and, and traveling. And she also has a really interesting um, travel brand called Reset Travel. So I was really curious about why she created that and kind of her experience. Um, yeah, the story Keep On Strolling was uh, Gabriella's story about being a first time mom traveling with um, like a child who's under two years old and you know, kind of like her expectations and, and kind of how, how things shifted. I think she felt like, um, I think it relates to feeling out of place because like she had never done that before and, and she wasn't sure that she would um, succeed as a first time traveling mom, but it, it ended up working out in the end for her. So um, yeah, and then Sarah's story about Hamburg, that's really her experience, um, traveling solo, yeah. And kind of like traveling solo has its own energy, I feel. Um, it's just very much, yeah. yeah, like it's it's a challenge, but it's also such a delight. And it's like, honestly, such a great way to get to know about who you really are. And you, you sort of venture into the un, un, unknown, I would say, you know, go with... What's go, that, sorry? You, you sort of venture into the unknown, don't you, when you're sort of solo backpacking and you, you discover things yeah. that, you know, in yourself as well that you may not have known about yourself, maybe inner resilience. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a really pivotal piece to start with. And the illustration on the front, can you talk a bit about sort of the art direction and um, going from that issue issue to cover? Yeah, so um, we worked with our friend Luana, who's an art director. Um, she's originally from Romania. And we met her in Toronto. We worked with her in Toronto um, in a department store in the creative department. And then she moved to Singapore. So we were actually doing this like Toronto, Singapore <laughs> project. And she was art directing oh. from Singapore. Um, and she had found some really cool illustrators. And I don't know if you've seen our first no. issue, but um, always like a first issue can be kind of like you don't really know what you're doing you're kind of venturing into the unknown much like solo <laughs> travel and um um we wanted like the illustrations to kind of tie in yeah. um in this issue and then kind of have like a, a common a commonality so um Luana kind of chose the illustrators she she sought them out and uh our cover artist is Carol Maillard um she's from France from Paris or just outside Paris yeah um and yeah, we just really liked her style. Um, we thought it was like a really different cover. Um, the cover of the magazine is green with yellow text. And I think it, it's really striking. Um, and it's got an illustration kind of that repeats in the Hamburg solo travel uh, story as well. And we just kind of liked that. Um, we liked that kind of repetition, you know, it kind of grounded um, the magazine, I think, in a really unique way. Yeah, 100%. So. Yeah, it, it gave it that um, sort of, I don't know, a personal feel to it because it's a drawing, isn't it? It, it feels a bit more self-initiated in a way. Mm -hmm. so I sure, yeah. That's, that's what I took from it anyway. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, like, the, visual, the visual diary sense, the visual journal and everything you, you mentioned earlier, uh, it's just beautiful. You know, when, when um, I think it was the... The photo piece in you know the the pil the pilgrimage wasn't it through the temples I thought that was really wonderful mm -hmm. uh, sort of the light and everything and it just it seemed like it was quite an important journey for that person it, it's kind of interesting to hear 
Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, that was uh, Yolanta. She's a, a Hong Kong, I think she's based in Hong Kong now or Korea, but, or yeah, so she went on kind of this pilgrimage route through um, Shikoku Island in Japan. And, and she just took like really stunning photographs and she, she did a write up about kind of how important it was for her to do that. Um, and yeah, the, like I think the end result worked really well and yeah. It, the lighting is really striking actually now that you mention it <laughs> yeah it, it is you know it's a bit like the the veil piece as well that was very striking because of the uh so you had the artist behind i've forgotten the name now what was her name uh leila fatemi that's exactly it yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> her, her work is wonderful yeah yeah she's a toronto-based artist um and and she's um muslim and so she was kind of is her photos are super interesting because it's pictures of her traveling in like this all white veil in these really fantastic landscapes um kind of like desert landscapes winter landscapes ocean landscapes um yeah and they're just they're like when we saw like because we did a call for submissions for this issue and when we saw her work we were like okay yeah we definitely want to collaborate with her in some way is that how you sort of started off then when you were I don't know how to sort of bring you back and the end of issue one sort of where did you go from there? Did you immediately put out a call or did you take maybe a year to sort of regroup? What, what was the process? Yeah, our first issue was mostly me asking my friends to uh, contribute. <laughs> so I luckily have a lot of talented and amazing friends who said yes. And our, our second issue, we wanted to kind of branch out and see kind of what other people were thinking. So we did a call for submissions. Um, mostly advertised through Instagram, maybe a couple of Facebook writer groups and artist groups as well at the time. Um, so yeah, we, I think we received like 75 or hundred submissions. So it was quite a lot and wow. <laughs> something that I, I have experienced kind of going through, but, um, and also on the other side as well, cause I, I worked as a freelance writer too, but going through those submissions yeah. and really shoot, trying to find a theme or find works that connect to our theme it's it's time consuming and it's, yeah. it's really interesting and and it d- gives you a lot of perspective I think as a freelancer who has pitched a lot of articles and, and ideas being on the other side being the editor yeah. and and figuring out the rationale for choosing what you did um it gave me so much perspective I bet yeah it must be like super rewarding as well when you come out of it the other the other side and you've got a set that you're you're very happy with you've got a set of people and personalities and backgrounds that just work together as a whole piece yeah I mean I, I hope it, it it works together um we tried really hard Those. to make sure <laughs> that it would work together <laughs> and uh that you know um yeah. that like the theme would run throughout so um and so yeah I think our first issue came out April 2019 and then we kind of started story editing January 2020 which was right before shit hit the fan <laughs> so I think we ended up maybe no maybe I'm yeah. mixing the dates up now but we, we, we'd spent several months kind of like focusing on sales and kind of then we were like okay we're in a good place let's let's kind of do issue two and then that's kind of when we were like yeah gathering gathering all the stories and it took us a while actually I think it did take us maybe a year now that I'm thinking to release the second issue and that was during the pandemic we launched March 2021 so 
did, did it feel like you had uh, like any pressure to do it because it was during the pandemic or did you feel like you had the time to reflect and you know go for it that way take your time yeah I think it was a bit of both like we were eager to release the work um, but we were also kind of holding yeah. back because um, we weren't sure how things were going um, and it, it definitely felt strange in a sense to release um, a, a travel magazine during pandemic where no one could go anywhere. So, <laughs> but I do think the stories and the issue, yeah. they're quite evergreen. I think they are relevant and timely no matter what the year is. Um, and that was really the goal. We kind of wanted to create this work that you could kind of go back to. Um, the only mention of the pandemic, I think, is in my editor's letter where I felt I had I had to address that in, in some level. So Yeah, it was maybe like a benchmark for the time period of which it came out or in the way it sort of influenced the content in some some way. Yeah, I think we, we decided on the theme before COVID. And so we ended up kind of realizing that the theme actually kind of fit with COVID. I think a lot of people were feeling generally out of place in, in a way so uh I, I think it's still relevant <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is 100 I, I love love the fact that it's timeless I I mm. from reading it this week it, it just felt it felt like I could return at any point in a way and and I feel like maybe the people that wrote the pieces can also return to a, a past memory as well mm-hmm. maybe yeah. reading it back I don't know how how they feel it'd be interesting to see how they how they feel you know years on from this I don't know when you don't know the time of these experiences do you in a way yeah yeah I mean as a writer going back and rereading your own work can be a bit challenging but I mean at some point yeah you you do look back and you're like oh yeah I I remember that time for sure this episode is sponsored by me Stuart Williams the host of Overleaf podcast That means it's not sponsored at all. I just want to tell you about a few things. I thought I'd take a moment to tell you about the Back Issue Club. Finding back issues are hard, especially if you're trying to find that number one of a magazine you've been looking for for years. So I think I found the solution. It's a brand new Facebook group for magazine collectors who would like to buy or sell back issues. As a collector myself, this would be a great opportunity to fill any gaps in the collection and even discover new publications for yourself. Simply visit Overleaf on Facebook to join the group today. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please reach out via social media. You can get me on On The Overleaf on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and Overleaf on TikTok. It'll be great to hear from you. Don't forget to also check out our blog. You can find it at ontheoverleaf.com. That's O-N-T-H-E overleaf.com Just a reminder that Overleaf is fully independent. There's no company, big business, or any big publisher behind this. It's just me. If you'd like to donate, please go to the website and follow the donate button. It's ran by Buy Me A Coffee. So for only £3, you can support a fully independent blog and podcast. And it would make such a huge difference. Anyway. Let's get back to the episode. Yeah, yeah. Especially if something, you know, pivotal happens. You know, you've got that old man buying buying you a drink in the bar and you're alone and you're, you're lost and you feel, you feel a bit hopeless. And I feel like that was that was something you're not, you're not going to... You forget very, very soon, I don't think. 
you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I like how you brought that up, uh, Sarah's Hamburg story. Kind of, it's like such a micro moment that she had in Hamburg, um, yeah. of just feeling alone. And it's kind of like, uh, that's also why her story really stuck out to me because um, it's, it's not this like big, huge tourist moment. Like, oh, I saw this castle. It, it's like something really personal and something that she'll remember. That's, so, the, that's yeah, the thing. I think, I think that's what travel is all about, really. <laughs> So what? Well, sort of molding the unexpected in a way into into sort of I don't know like a positive reaction to something that may have been negative at the time. I don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, she she sounds like you know she's had a really interesting trip, and I, I feel like you know even I went to went to Germany and had a very interesting trip in in a pub as well. You know, and the pub we we managed to get the whole pub singing this this random tune that our friends were singing. And everyone was just started to be so jubilant and and happy, and it just felt like a a family atmosphere. I don't know. I, I can relate to that Hamburg story a lot. Don't know. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, weird, weird. But anyway, um, so you got issue two out, and it's in physical format. I want to see it physically. I might have to buy it from Papercut. Where, where can you? Where did you sort of distribute it out to, and what what's sort of the size of the publication? Um, circulation wise mm, yeah so most of our stockists are in Toronto but I really wanted to kind of branch out a bit and, and try try having a few other um, places in, in Canada um, so we have like a Vancouver stockist yeah. we have uh, Calgary and Montreal stockist which is really great um, and then yeah I was just randomly emailing paper cut in Stockholm and and Alex was like yeah well we'll take this on sure why not so um it's nice to kind of have like a little European outpost as well um but the distribution size like it's quite small I mean we we didn't print more than 300 um just (laughs) because we're we're a small team so yeah that's that yeah must be must be nice to have it out in the world and you know, that issue, issue two was, was it last year you said, mm-hmm. spring? That's right. Is there a, is there sort of development of issue three then on the way? Is this, is this kind of like a, an annual thing you're doing at this point? Yeah, we intended it for it to be annual. Um, and I think right now we're just taking a pause and kind of just trying mm. to reassess what, what we can do for the future. So, I mean... Yeah. Like I said, issue two is still super relevant and I think people will will like it no matter what year they're in. So yeah, right now yeah. we are definitely just kind of thinking of, of what we're going to do next and how to approach it. I guess, um, what do you want to do next? <laughs> I'm kind of open, you know, um, to be honest, like maybe it's not, a ma- sorry, maybe it's not a magazine. Um, maybe it's something digital. I mean, I do love the physical aspect of um, magazine so much yeah. which is why I wanted to create one I love reading paper like I never I don't have an e-reader yeah. <laughs> so the physicality of the book is really important to me but I don't know I, I think there's so much you can do with something like yeah. this that, that doesn't need to conform to one medium no 100% I feel like you know even multimedia medium would work quite well maybe or it, yeah. it's it's endless isn't it like you say it's it's down to what you feel like at the time and how how the sort of concept merges together. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel mm-hmm. like there's so much mm-hmm. you can go into as well, isn't there, concept wise for this? 
Yeah. Yes. It's also yes. Class. Yeah, we have like a list of themes <laughs> <laughs> and like there's just so much you can do with travel, I think, especially when it's personal. Yeah. Um, I feel like every issue going forward would be really different from one another. Yeah, different different in a way, but then there's maybe an overlapping sort of, I don't know, family, family aspect to it. I don't know, like an omnibus feel to it. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. I don't know. Don't know. It, it, it's interesting <laughs> though, like you said, because you released released the magazine during the pandemic. But um, obviously, in 2019, before before it all started, um, how how was the sort of release there? You know, what reaction did you get from from readers? Yeah. Um. So in 2019, our first issue came out, and we had like a physical launch party. I think we we launched in this small cafe slash vinyl shop on Queen Street in Toronto. Um, and I think it was, it was packed. It was packed. So I was yeah. very grateful that any of the publicity I did worked <laughs> out and that, you know, friends came. It was really cool. Strangers came, which was awesome. Um, yeah. So we sold out of our first issue. Um, I don't think you can buy it anywhere anymore. And that's really kind of the goal for issue two. I think, uh-huh. Right now, the sales are steady. They're slightly slower because there's less foot tra- traffic um, with our stockists. Like certain stores are kind of like in the financial yeah. core of Toronto. And, you know, there's not as many office workers there anymore. So, you know, they're less likely to go and browse, yeah. which is really unfortunate because like small businesses have been so crucial to um, the success of our magazine as well. So we owe a lot to them and yeah. we need to be supporting them, I think. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like maybe, you know, could reach out to other places as well in Europe, maybe that would, would stock it. I don't know. It's, it's such a, it's small, it's a small industry, but also big at the same time, isn't it? And I guess, I guess diving in, you said you were sort of a freelance writer. What was it like sort of taking the dive into uh, self-publication? Yeah, I had worked with a publisher before, um, a small indie publisher um, called Without Pretend in Toronto. And um, the founder yeah. of that is, her name is also Erin. And I feel like I learned a lot from her, <laughs> um, kind of just how she yeah. ran a magazine, or I guess she, she <clears throat> sorry, she published um, anthologies of, of work um, and mostly by women um so yeah I learned a lot as an editor for her but also got to learn a little bit about the business um and so like she was uh, an inspiration to me like seeing what she did um and then there's like a small kind of indie magazine in in Toronto I guess it's not as big as London I think like the UK has such an amazing publishing scene but um I did meet other people in Toronto who were who are publishing zines and, and magazines and anthologies and things like that. And, and yeah, just kind of connected with them on that. So, yeah. Do you, do you feel like that networking is, is kind of crucial as well in a way? I think for me, I would want to know what I'm going to do um, before I delve into it. So just meeting people and even just asking how they did it or, you know, doing your research I think is really important for um a project like this yeah I, I guess if I if you had to give one piece of advice to someone who's willing you know wanting to do something similar would that be the main piece hmm I guess yeah I think so just trying to yeah. learn as much as you can before you delve in because I mean 
it's really a, a project of, of love. I think, um, I don't think many people go into it to like make huge money and profit. That would be very difficult to do. So I know for me, like it had always been a goal to edit a magazine um, and kind of put stories together and curate, curate everything. So yeah, I'm glad I got yeah. to do it. <laughs> and I forced myself to do it. <laughs> <laughs> do you feel like it came at a good time in your life as well? I, it must have. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think things were, were aligned back then in 2019, <laughs> a bit more challenging these days, but uh, yeah, hopefully we're, we're almost out of it. So yeah, three, three years on and it, it's, it's still going and it's still just as relevant, isn't it? And although, you know, mm-hmm. travel is still a bit on the edge, I think in a way, um, have you got any plans to travel with the magazine or, you know, as, you know, as personally, are you going to travel anywhere? Yeah, well, we kind of did travel during the pandemic as safely as possible. Um, we went to Quebec, which is the neighboring province of Ontario. Um, so that was fine. Um, last yeah. last September, I went to Ireland with my boyfriend, who's from there. Um, so it's hard to kind Amazing. of travel with your magazine. Like I think in that situation, my advice would be, you know, if you want an international stockist, it's a good idea to reach out. For an appointment um, especially if you're going to be in that country and so yeah. if they're like yeah we're interested then you could bring a couple of copies with you because otherwise your luggage will get super heavy so um yeah and then and then I do I do plan on traveling this year as well uh, I don't have anything 100% locked down but yeah yeah hopefully we're not locked down either <laughs> I was just gonna say what a pun I know <laughs> yeah a double meaning I mean it, it is kind of essential to have you know, you got the balance of got the travel, but then there's also going back and, and that escapism as well when you can't travel in a, inside a magazine. Um, from from your perspective, what what's sort of on your shelf? Is it travel that you mostly read? It's really interesting. I don't really read much travel at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there's so many great publications out there. I love Lost magazine from yeah. China. I love. Um, you know, like the Wild Sam Guides published in the States. I love uh, Fair magazine, which yeah, kind of focuses on, on food internationally. Um, so yeah, I definitely have things in my collection that are travel writing yeah. and travel magazines. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I think I'm more into literary fiction, especially these days. I just really like to escape through fiction and, and like good prose and good writing. So that's the thing though, isn't it? You can immerse yourself in, in whatever really. I, I really liked that in, in issue two that you have that fictional piece at the end. Uh, I thought that was, that was really nice. Um, about the running. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Neve Gordon's piece. I really wanted to include a fiction piece and I think she's a really solid writer. I think um, as soon as she submitted like, I yeah. could see the quality of her prose and I was like, yeah, I definitely want to work with this person. Um, so, and the illustrations came out for that really, really cool. So yeah. that's like a, a Malaysian Romanian wow. artist. I think a lot of our, our contributors have like these kind of multi identities, uh, which is also really interesting. I think it gives them a certain perspective too on like how they create their own art. So yeah, very, very diverse backgrounds and multicultural sort of, personalities I love that love that side of things yeah I think like just living in Toronto like that's the default I mean not all of our contributors are from Toronto we have people from Vietnam France um yeah Romania 
the States, England. So um, yeah, but just, it's so diverse in Toronto and I've grown up with that my whole life. So I'm like, there's no other option. Like things are just naturally diverse for me. <laughs> you know? which, is, which is so nice because you get that exposure and that's, it's so wonderful because not many get that. I guess it's something I take for granted. Yeah. No, I wouldn't, wouldn't say that. I, I think it's, it's when, as you move around, you sort of get to know a place, don't you? And you, you sort of get the feel for the population and, and how sort of everyday life is family and the demographic mm-hmm. and yeah I, I think you know I was living in London for a little bit um four years I think four or five years in total before I moved to Finland and in the in the area where I was it was very you know we've got African families and we've got uh Romanian families uh Hebrew family it, it, it's you know massive Jewish community when I was in there uh, in Hackney and I think it's just a wonderful sort of vibe because you get you get to experience so much, don't you? You know, there's maybe a jazz bar, you know, down the road that has an amazing African music collection. And, you know, from my perspective as a music collector, I'm like, this is something I would never be exposed to in a regular music shop who maybe have one or two copies of an African jazz artist or an African soul, you know. And I, I feel like that was invaluable. But, but then again, living versus travel, it's very different, isn't it? It's different, but maybe it's the same a little. I don't know. <laughs> I think, you know, you're living in another country now, which is really yeah. fascinating. What brought you to Finland? Oh, my partner. Oh, okay. Yeah, my partner. is the same. I guess the same way you, you travel to Ireland with your, with your partner. It was, I traveled to uh, to Finland after I'd met my partner in the in the theater. I, I randomly met her in the theater in, in London, central London, and uh, hit it off, really. Um, traveled there a couple of times and then, sort of set plans to make the move really after after a couple of years I think it was three years after meeting and I've been here about three years now so wow which city it is I hope well it's very remote where where is it close to it is pretty much on the west coast um about midway down so there's like a bigger city called Olu Olu have you heard of that uh yeah 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 don't much about Finland it's it's like Rovaniemi and then you've got the capital of the mid the middle of Finland that is Oulu. Um, they're going to be city of culture in 2024. And uh, Helsinki is four hours by train away from me. So I'm about two hours from Oulu and then I'm about four hours from Helsinki. So it is quite a huge, huge change, you know, from being in London and being directly in that hub. I don't know about mm-hmm. you. It's going from, I guess, Toronto to, to Ireland, even on the trip must have felt quite a, quite a different hit yeah well we've been together for a long time so I've been to Ireland a few times um would love to go to Finland um yeah I I love Scandinavia well I guess Finland is technically Nordic and not Scandinavia but I I love the Nordic countries so uh, yeah yeah I just try to learn learn about them every chance I get um that's like super north man (laughs) like you live really really north (laughs) That's a lot north, more north than Toronto. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think about that. <laughs> yeah, so much snow. I'm the same as you. you know, so much snow. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, this year's really bad in Toronto. Like it's snowing buckets like every other week, which is just exhausting. <laughs> but yeah, just like you, know. you need a top up and it just dumps a load of snow on you. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. But yeah, it, it is kind of a, a crazy group of countries 
you know that there is the the immense sort of lifestyle change where the quality of life is so much higher as per like surveys and stuff like that and uh, you know finland's meant to be the happiest country in the world on 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 the surveys as well and uh i don't know if i agree with that just yet i'm still making my mind up um but you know that there, there is so much to learn apart from the language of course i, I don't know about uh, what language do you speak, um, as well as obviously English? And do you speak French? Uh, I I don't speak French. No. No. Fair enough. Yeah. It's. I guess it's all about what your sort of, what how you sort of grow up, isn't it? And the areas you're sort of accustomed to. And this is a very Finnish and Swedish speaking area, but if you go two hours down the road, it's only Finnish, and you don't you don't hear a word of Swedish. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting where you know, open open the door for someone and someone says, uh, you know, thank you in Swedish. I can't remember the name now, <laughs> the word now, but it's isn't it talk? It is literally talk. <laughs> thank you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Just <laughs> <laughs> uh, like can't remember. Can't remember for the life of me. But yeah, it, it's just like ah, oh, she just said talk. Right. Okay. Um. But. It's great to sort of be be immersed with those those type of those type of cultures, but again, you, I guess you have to dive into an area to sort of really learn about it. I think so. Yeah, yeah. even even in my travels where I've I've spent maybe unusually long periods in cities that quote unquote don't offer that much, I actually feel like more connected to those places. Um, you know, like. There might be a place yeah. where you feel like, oh, you're only supposed to spend a day or two there, like, but you end up spending three or four days. And I feel like those cities um, are more memorable to me in a way. So um, a good example of yeah. that is like Lima, yeah. Lima in Peru and Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. I feel like unlike mm. people say in guides, like, oh, you like there's so much to do in those in those places, but they kind of feel like transient to some travelers. Um, like there's other things in that country you want to experience. So, but I, I did spend extra time in Lima and Kuala Lumpur and yeah, like I, I have like really fond memories of, of those places. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, tw- 21 guests, I think I have in my notes, you wrote, you wrote in your editor's letter. It was like, that's a lot. It's a lot for a small pu- publication. And does that, does that inc- obviously include the illustrators as well? Yeah, I, I think the yeah the twenty one contributors includes the illustrators. Uh, I actually don't remember now. Let's yeah. see. <laughs> um, yeah, it is quite a it is quite a bit. I just think you know when you when you put together a publication of, of different works, it's it's good to have a lot of different voices. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like if I was Michelle in in her story around where you're from, where are you really from. I feel like that is a sort of a pivotal sort of voice in your head, isn't it? When you when you grow up, maybe in, in that environment where you go, where where am I really from? Um, where can I trace my family tree back mm-hmm. to? And my my family, my family at least, are very big on on family history, and because uh, I'm from oh, the wow. Isle of Man originally, um, so we've traced our family back a good three hundred years so far. I spent a lot of time in the archives oh. as a kid, and I know I don't know. <laughs> no, that's I think <laughs> I think a lot of people, like in Canada anyway, who have Irish and UK 
background. Like I think a lot of those people are really interested in ancestry. So I think it's becoming almost more common to, to delve into those archives really. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of sites have popped up like maybe mid two thousands, like ancestry.com and stuff like that. And it's just become a huge like goose chase. And I don't know. It, it feels like, it's interesting from one perspective, but it's also, it could be pivotal to some other people that may may have grown up without uh, a father or a mother or, you know, but both their fathers, both their mothers. And it's, I don't know, I feel like it's a chase that needs to happen for these people, maybe. Maybe um, they get some closure from it. Uh, yeah, I would definitely get closure from uh, learning more about my ancestors, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's not what Michelle's, piece is about but I mean oh. yeah maybe maybe she <laughs> is curious I have no idea <laughs> no it just it just made me think I guess that because I, I already read that piece today actually I thought I thought I'd read that one because I thought that was it sort of caught my eye in a way because uh because of the name the Auslander and everything and uh the, the fear even for locals when those punks got on the train punks in inverted commas um that there is you know that, that sense of, do you really ever know a place? Yeah, I, I think in Michelle's situation, it was more like, it's from like, to me, I see it as like a very Canadian story. Like everyone, not everyone, but a lot of people in Canada have a hyphenated identity. They identify as like Chinese Canadian or, you know, yeah. Trini, Trini Portuguese Canadian, you know? So I think we get, people get, get questions a lot about their background um, so I think that's kind of where that came from and then when you go to a place maybe like Germany is maybe more homogenous than Canada and then you know people are asking oh you speak English but um, you you don't look white like what's the story with that it's kind of like probably really exhausting to uh, always answer that question right so that's kind of what I think she was addressing in her piece Oh, 100%. And I, th- I think why, why these questions being asked is, is also something to explore as well. Um, you know, why, why does someone need, feel the need to know so much detail in, in someone's, you know, from face perspective? Uh, it's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm curious about people, but I mean, there's a time and a place to be asking, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I think it's, yeah. yeah read yeah. the room a bit and just figure out if you want to ask in that moment or when for what <laughs> yeah that's that's the thing and you know obviously we're speaking over zoom and and i think reading the room digitally is very much a harder harder thing to do i think with the pandemic and everything it's become a bit of a challenge maybe for these remote remote workers and remote travelers maybe they, they want to connect with family overseas but they can't travel there um Maybe there's another theme there of, long, of longing, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think that's a theme that, that definitely comes up in, in, our, in our work, for sure. I'm fascinated by longing and yearning and nostalgia. And, you know, there's words in, in other cultures, like Fernwe in, in German kind of encapsulates that longing. And Saudad in Portuguese is kind of also has this kind of nostalgic yearning for something of the past that you can't quite put your finger on so yeah it's interesting too to see how cultures um yeah interpret longing 
Yeah, it's it's a different thing, isn't it? When you know when you can just easily jump on a plane before the pandemic, and now you can you have to think about it a bit more. You have to maybe plan a bit more as well, don't you? And uh, I think sense, so. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess so. It's it's that sense of longing could be elongated even more. I don't know. You know, I haven't seen my family in a few <laughs> years, <laughs> so it's just a case of oh, sorry. Oh, it's it's one of those, it's one of those things where your publication has sort of brought up a lot of things within me as well. I think that is interesting. It's my, my takeaways are, of course, around the family history and that longing. Um, but for someone else, it might be completely different. And I think that's that's credit to you and your team and, and the, the contributors. So I just want to say a very well done on everything. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's <laughs> oh, all right. Thank you. I had, had to get it. Had to get it in there and just, just say that. Uh, yeah, I, I'm glad that you resonated. Yeah, it's nice to see when people when people get it. So <laughs> it means a lot. Thanks. No, no problem. Yeah, I, I think not a lot of publications do that in a way. It's um, obviously depends on the subject, but there there becomes a time for you know where, where does the resonation end and where does it begin some of these publications are you know big in the life and and some are quite stagnant and I I think one that also because you mentioned the list of you know magazines that you've you've uh, loved recently the the fair and everything and I I read fair Glasgow not so long ago and I think it was what was the latest one don't think about it I think it was storied have you heard of storied I have not. It's a really beautiful magazine focused around Japan. Oh, wow. Only. Um, the, I think the latest issue is called the Cedar issue, uh, which I need to get. <laughs> I think I got, I've got the Kyoto issue, and it is it's similar, it's similar in prose in the, in the way that, you know, the editor is, is speaking first person from their experiences um, and what they explore. But there, there is obviously the... The difference is that you have you have contributors that have different perspectives and different stories. This is very much a singular story uh, of their perspective from some you know from first hand. I love that. Might be interesting. I wish I could show you a copy. Uh, it's somewhere over there in my uh, yeah. endless endless magazine collection. I can't I can't I can't hold it any longer. I'm gonna need to I'm gonna need to put it in storage or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome yeah have, have an archive or a library people could visit oh yeah that'd be, that'd be great yeah yeah it's just, yeah there's only like a, so cool. it, it, it is it is cool but it, of course it links back to travel doesn't it again where you can't look around your collection with you everywhere you go and and there is that that problem of digital isn't the same is it like you said you don't have the e-reader you don't you don't have that um you know even though i I do at the moment, but it's not my preference. It's not a thing. I don't go out and buy a digital copy of magazines. I don't hunt them down. <laughs> um, and it's a thing where you, know, you can't lug them around, can you? You can't carry them and, and enjoy them the same way um, as, you know, a place, a central home for them. That, that yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, I I relate as a person who likes to collect books and paper items, and also a person who loves to travel. There's definitely, um, yeah, those two things don't really work very well together. So, yeah. 
what's sort of on your list when you when you travel? Do you bring a, a book? Do you bring two books? Is it like depending on your stay? Do you do like a magazine for a short haul? What what was your kind of ritual? I don't know. Yeah, I always bring a novel or two, I think. Um, and if it's a longer trip, um, I might leave the book in in a location and, and try to pick up something else while I'm there. Um, yeah, I like reading yeah. and travel are so connected to me or connected together for me. So yeah, I couldn't travel yeah. without a book. And and I don't mind the extra luggage or the extra weight. I, I think it's totally worth it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to- totally agree. I don't think my parents would though. Um, yeah, because half, half of my collection is back at home. But I, I guess going back to your point is you, you like to you like to pick up, you know, things when you're there as well. Um, I think there is a innate sort of feeling where, you, you know, if you love print, you want to see what these places where you travel to actually offer as well. Um, mm-hmm. So when I was in Barcelona, uh, I obviously felt like the need to hunt down print. It's something I had to pick up anyway because I was there and, I don't know if it was because it was because I was there or was it because you want to investigate more about that place you're in? What what, what do you think? I mean, I relate to what you just said. Um, I have magazines from Japan that I just thought were so beautiful, even though I couldn't read them. And, and the approach to design was really different, too. Yeah. Um, and I'm not a designer, but I, I definitely appreciate good, interesting designs. So um yeah, yeah, I relate to what you said for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess being a being a designer, I, I am a designer by by day. That's my that's my trade. Um, web. So it, print is is a realm that it's such a it's such a commodity for me. Um, you know, coming away coming away from the computer at the end of a Friday when you want to get away from the screen, and you want to pick up a, a physical object, magazine would be you know gaming console or something like that there's something in eight way just you want to always go back to that do you feel like the digital age that we're in now have we lost any of that ability to step back and go go back to the tangible yeah I mean I, I think um, there's people who read books and like there's people who want to read digital stuff um, so I think part of it is is lost and I don't know. I don't have any hot takes on this, to be honest. Um, but one <laughs> thing I know is books have outlasted yeah. other media for, for centuries. So I don't think books or printed matter are going anywhere anytime soon. I think people want the escape. They want the disconnection from digital, I think, especially during the pandemic. Um, yeah, yeah I, I totally relate to what you said about you know, spending your whole day on the computer, you know, you want, you want a break from that. So delving into a book is a great way to do that. Um, going outside, you know, there's so many things that don't take place on our screens that are really important and valuable. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like actually, like actually going to these places and, and forming, you know, an opinion and forming a memory an experience you could write about, I think is invaluable. You know, and I hope, hope we can get back to that soon. You know. Yeah, yeah, I think I think it's coming. <laughs> yeah, yeah. When you when you sort of go go to places like we go back to that ritual about what do you bring, and um, what do you what do you take from a place in the way of 
you know, do you journal about the experience yourself? I think it depends. Most of the time I do, or I do want to take notes. And even if they're simple notes about itinerary, I want to jot a few things down um, for my own reference. I've just always been like that. I've always loved journaling to some level. Um, But I mean, I've definitely been on trips where it was a lot harder to journal or reflect on the trip. Um, Maybe I didn't have enough personal space or uh, yeah, needed to find like a a solitary kind of room to do that in. But I don't know. I think, yeah, I think for me, I I think recording is really important in, in whatever way you can. So yeah. Like photos or videos and stuff like that as well, or is it, you know, is, is it? Yeah, 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 bit, yeah, bit of both. I think like I have so many travel stories and photos that you know have not made it into return trip. Um, so I would really love to kind of, I don't know, I don't, I don't know what I want to do with them just yet. But I mean, it, it's like a decade's worth of of content. So I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's just something I do for myself, like just print one book for myself yeah. or, or something like that that would be a great idea you know even even just for yourself as, a, as an archive for you know any every 10 years or something you can go back and bind it together I don't know that would be fun yeah that'd be, that'd be really interesting as a as an archive you know I, I know people that do that with, with their drawings and stuff like that they they sort of bind drawings together and they have their own you know sketchbook that didn't exist before but now it does um I don't know with, with me I'm in the middle of scrapbooking um years and years of gig tickets and set lists and you know the the bands where you get entry I was a big music goer big so I don't know there there is that emotional connection to the physical in a way no I think you're right I also think you and I maybe have a personality where we like to collect things and archive things um there's a lot of people that aren't like that much to my surprise so you know when you say you want (laughs) to when you want to organize your tickets and things like that I I totally get it but then I also have this other side of me that doesn't want attachments um it's like this kind of struggle I think of wanting to keep these mementos and also kind of be minimalist or not as materialistic and I guess it's not materialistic if it's like your own work um but you know people live in small houses and they don't have a lot of space (laughs) at least I don't and a lot of people I know they, they don't have a lot of space so I mean I do see the value of like digital archiving in in that sense too yeah yeah you see the value in both Yeah, I guess you know, going to these places and taking things from them. I I wonder, thinking from the pilgrimage side of things, and that article, did she take, did she take the staff? I think it was a staff. Trying to remember what it was now. Yeah, it was like a cedar or like a hinoki. um, Yes, staff like a hiking staff. Yes, hikers. I wonder if uh, they kept that. Just just a little fleeting thought that I had in my mind reading that because like you said on the were the type of people <laughs> to think about that <laughs> yeah well I mean she has a photo of it though which is like I don't want to say it's better or worse but I think if there's something you aren't able to take home at least you have this like really nice photo of it <laughs> and it's in a magazine now too so uh <laughs> so yeah I people- think that's that's good 
Yeah, yeah. Other people can see it. Other people can experience it. it you know, even if it's not in the same way, they they can feel like they were there with you. I guess. Yeah, and I'm sure when you look at the photo, if you're the person taking the photo, um, like you'll remember the smells and and you know the surrounding area and maybe the people you were with. So I think it, it serves to um, enhance our memory a bit, or yeah, just help us remember that moment. Yeah, it, it's very very interesting that you mentioned around the sensory. Because I think going back to that running piece, it was all about the sensory, wasn't it? When she was running, running through and the smell of the place indicated where she was on the route. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Running through Berlin. Well, that's quite interesting. I, I sort of felt the same walking through Berlin in a way. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it doesn't matter what speed you go at as long as you get to the destination. When I was a kid, I wanted to do, a, you know, a magazine thing. I didn't know what that was. Um, but I was lo- just loved magazines. Yeah. It just became a, I don't know, you know, it's just a huge part of my life. Honestly, same. <laughs> I mean, I've been fascinated with books and magazines and comics and things like that ever since I was a kid. And I would always make like little comics and like, I guess, like child graphic novels. Um, do lots of like drawing and, and, and yeah, speech bubbles and things. So yeah. I definitely get it. Was it, was it about creating like a world of your own that maybe you didn't have in real life or was it just the fun of it? <laughs> I feel like honestly, looking back, it was just me trying to like make my own version of like Sailor Moon and Sonic the Hedgehog, like integrate these oh, yeah. characters into this <laughs> world and like just practice drawing Sailor Moon and stuff like that and coming up with like new friends, like, you know, like children's yeah. stuff. Like, like yeah, yeah. Fiction, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, you gotta you gotta start somewhere, and I think you know by by copying the illustrations that you know, that's kind of how you can teach yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely one of the ways, and I, I'm I'm doing the same. I'm trying to draw a lot more as well. Is it something you're doing still? No, not really. <laughs> no, is that of choice? Uh I just I don't prioritize it. Uh, like doodling every now and then is fine, but I'm not like a serious visual artist at all. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I guess it, it, it is down to what you've got on at the time and what your, what your sort of priorities are. Yeah. Um, I've, I've made a point of telling myself I'm taking two hours every Monday and I'm doing art <laughs> um, because the local town here have like a, like a course thing going on. So you can join a course and there was enough people to join. And I'm being taught by one of the local oil masters. So I'm very happy about that. Um, that obviously speaks English as well. He's also a nurse. And it just, I feel like I've, I'm winning. That sounds amazing. <laughs> but you know, the digital side of things is so big, isn't it? And you're fighting back every, I'm fighting back every day. I agree with you. Is it exhausting? <laughs> Probably. I, I definitely, definitely hear you on that. So you don't speak any Finnish? Uh... Hardly. Hardly. I mean, it's really hard language, right? Yeah. I think it's up there with like Mandarin. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I think they're the first and second hardest from Duolingo or something said that. I don't know. Um, and I, yeah, I guess I want to learn. Yeah. I, I want to do like a course, but again, it's like the time thing. Yeah. I mean, why not? But lastly, before we go, could you tell us where to find Return Trip? 
Yeah, yeah. You can find Return Trip Magazine at returntrip.ca and our Instagram username is at returntripmag. Um, and you can buy a copy through Instagram. You can buy it through our website and you can buy copies through our various stockists. Awesome. Awesome. That sounds great. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. No, thank you. Thank you. It's really nice meeting you and really cool to see like how passionate you are about yeah, non-digital living. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's passion, but it's also a fight. Like I said, it's it's an endless day-to-day thing. But that's what we're here for, isn't it? Fight, fighting the good fight, I'd say. Yeah, and you're contributing to it. You're you're helping you're helping people like me <laughs> by releasing these magazines and you know bringing them out to the world i think it's such a wonderful thing thank you yeah great thank you so much i'm gonna try and hunt down issue two in physical format now oh thank you (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much for uh yeah your time no worries at all thanks so much erin for your time on this episode if you haven't yet make sure to check out return trip it's on issue two and you should be able to find it in various stockists around the world Just check out returntrip.ca forward slash stockists. On the next episode of Overleaf Podcast, we'll meet Liv Cowell, writer and editor of The Rodeo. The Rodeo is a magazine based out of Manchester, UK, which focuses on the best new music across alternative, indie and Americana. We'll talk about issue 14 and the journey up until this point. I can't wait for you to hear it, so make sure to subscribe. Hit that subscribe button on wherever you listen to the podcast. And let me know your feedback. You can find me at On The Overleaf. So that's on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, On The Overleaf. I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can also visit our website at ontheoverleaf.com. That's O-N-T-H-E-O-V-E-R-L-E-A-F.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of The Overleaf Podcast. See you next time. A big thank you to the creator of the music for the show, Valtteri Keskitalov.